All right, everybody, this is Root Solution, learning how to control the basics. This is Kyron. This is Noah. And today we're going to talk about some glutes. How to grow that booty. But first, <laughs> we are in person on a rare occasion where Kai and I are in the same place. So I get to look deep into Kai's eyes when we Ooh. talk about things. Make it really extra weird. Yeah. Um, Kai and I, we, uh, we never really know what we're going to talk about. Um, reason be it is we kind of like it. Like we try to build off our week. So people always ask me like, what are you going to talk about next? I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know. Um, so tonight we sat down and started talking and we were just telling stories. This is how our, usually how our conversations go about, you know, what happened in your week and what happened in my week and so forth. And so, um, we had stories that aligned ironically. So this week I had talked to a bodybuilder who had come to me mm-hmm. and wanted to kind of learn more about what I did and how I created muscle function and better muscle quality and all this stuff. Uh, we had met at the gym that I, that I currently work out of. And uh, her whole thing is like she wants bigger glutes and bigger hamstrings and she wants you know more definition and she wants roundness and muscles and you know all the normal bodybuilder stuff, right? Yeah. And um, – so I said, yeah, let's, let's take a look. And so we talked about what she's doing from an exercise perspective and like how she chooses her exercises and like all the stuff that you would ask and, um, you know, asked about who she had worked with historically and all this fun stuff. And, you know, what we had come to grips with is that her training profile looked like a bodybuilder's profile, right? Like she did four sets of 10 and was in that hypertrophy phase and wanted to grow tissue, but nothing was growing. And so I do a table test with all of my patients as well as... Um, you know, whether it be aesthetic based or whether it be because they're hurt or whether it be their performance based, like if somebody wants to look better, I still assess. If somebody wants to get stronger, I assess. If somebody was hurt, I assess. Like I'm always assessing because that gives me something to work off of. And so specifically she was having a hard time getting her outer glute tissue. So ladies, you can help me with this, but giving her that like JLo curviness, right? That J-Lo, that J-Lo booty. I'm just thinking about the Super Bowl two years ago. (laughs) Uh, But what she was was really concerned about is she had a lot of definition and size in the backside of her glute, but she couldn't seem to grow the sides of her glutes. Mm. And so one of the first things I looked at was hip rotation, right? Like, hey, can you rotate your hip externally? So if we think about that, guys, we lay her flat on her back. Um, Not in a weird way, I promise. She brings her leg up to 90 degrees. Um, I take her foot, I pin her knee down in place, and then I bring her foot out and around. And so what I'm looking for is, can she bring her foot, I'd like 45 degrees, ideally it would be 90 degrees, but can she bring her foot out and around? Now I've done this test with my kids, my kids are six, uh, you know, and they're perfect, right? So like, nothing's happened to their bodies, there have been no car accidents, they don't sit for more than three seconds at a time, which sucks for me. Um... And their hips work perfect, right? 90 degrees in both directions. They can do all the things you want from a hip. Well, in this case, this young lady had very limited hip rotation. And so my conversation with her was really simple. You're not going to grow a bigger glute because you can't take your hip to the place where we access the tissue to get a bigger butt. Mm. And so this got me really thinking about, you know, people, bodybuilders, and and regular people that are going to gym to look better naked, right? Um, And it kind of reminded me of like what they don't know about their body and why it's so important to thrive for function. Now, Kai had a story that is 
kind of similar but different, which is why I love talking to Kai. So Kai, <laughs> take the floor. Yeah, so um, kind of similar, yeah, but it was more about pain. So I had a client, I have a client that has knee pain. And so, you know, a lot of times with knee pain, we have to, just like Noah said, assess. So we assess and find that um, she can't fully straighten her knee. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there could be structural issues with that, meaning sure. like bone on bone. But um, there's that, and then bend, when bending, she can't bend all the way, and um, rotation is, is limited as well. Um, but one of the biggest things that I noticed is when we were doing exercises that she would always feel it in her hamstrings. Okay. Always. Didn't matter what exercise, it was in hamstrings. So... Um, you know, curiosity, uh, I remember talking to Noah and him talking about this concept that we're talking about, um, accessibility of your, of your muscles. And so I tried that with her and I was like, can you, can you squeeze or just contract your quad, which is the front side of your thigh? She tried, she couldn't. And I was like, huh? That is very interesting. So we have been working on that since then. Uh, she has way more control over it now, but it just goes to show like, you know, it's almost like a snowball effect. When you start using one, one side more than the other and you do, you know, compound movement, which is like all multi-joint, like you're, you know, running or jumping or whatever, and you feel it in one area and you're using that area all the time, it's just going to get stronger. Right. Whereas now we're trying to reverse it into where she can use her quads more so than her hamstrings. So it's just like a super simple solution, but also very complex in a way. <laughs> so it's, it's funny, right? So like when you really start to think about this, like when, when we say this out loud, it sounds simple. Like, yeah. Does your hip rotate? Yes mm -hmm. or no? Like it, it, it's a, it's a pass fail, right? Yeah. Can you contract your quad? Yes or no, mm -hmm. right? And so the thing that I struggle with from in a clinic setting is that this isn't something that's like really like looked at, yeah. right? Like it's yeah. it, you know, people go and have they tear their ACL, right? And they're sitting on a table and they're doing all their stuff for an ACL, but nobody's asking the question of like. Well, does their shin rotate, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to start, guys, I'm going to start using more vague words, by the way, because I got in trouble because apparently I, I, I'm too detailed. So we're going to use shin instead of tibia. But um, nobody's asking, like, what does shin rotation look like, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody's asking what um, patella integrity looks like, which is the patella is the tendon that goes over the kneecap that connects the quad to the shin, right, or the 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 thigh to the shin, right? And the thing is, is like, these are really important questions. And the reality is if they don't have control and accessibility, mm -hmm. then we have a real problem because they're just going to do it again, no matter how we help them. Yeah. And so I think this is why we thought this conversation was really important for you to hear. So talking about Kai's point, this idea of control, 
the way I talk about control with people is I talk about it in terms of a car, right? Yeah. Uh, not a lot of people drive stick shifts anymore, um, no. but we can at least conceptualize the idea of how a stick shift works, right? You have first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, fifth gear. If I'm running a NASCAR or a Ferrari or some sort of sports car and I want to get to 160 miles per hour, I have to go through that gear cycle. I have to go to first gear, go to second gear, go to third, fourth, and fifth. And so if I can't do that, then we have a problem, right? Yeah. And what you'll find with a lot of young athletes that have done a lot of plyometrics, um, they'll be able to go from one to five and they'll have no middle ground, yeah. right? Because they've, they've, they've never learned control of tissue, right? Which is why we talk a lot about, you know, eccentric loading, right? Putting weight in your hand, going down slowly. Because that teaches that control pattern. Yeah. The other side of that issue is can I only go to first gear, right? And so in your case, for the person you're talking about, you're talking about maybe an untrained population of people that have sat for a long time and they really can only go slow, right? Yeah. Those of you that have driven a stick shift, if you only can go to first gear and there's a hill in front of you, <laughs> you're in deep shit because the car won't go up the hill. Mm -hmm. And so the thing that I think is really important and, and folks, you can do this to yourself, right? Most people's bicep, is able to contract one to five, yeah. right? Because frankly, we all eat. So we have to take our hand from the food to our face. So our bicep contracts really, really well. Um, all of us are jacked in the biceps, especially me. Um, <laughs> right? All that, the spoonfuls of ice cream. Um, <laughs> but so if you guys take your hand and you bend your elbow slightly, bend it at like 90 degrees, and then you put your finger and you poke your bicep, Try to squeeze it a little bit and then squeeze it a little harder and then a little harder and then a little harder and see how many times you can contract it. Typically, it's about five. Most people can get to five. Some I've seen bodybuilders can do like 10, which is pretty incredible. But if my bicep does that, shouldn't my hamstring? I think so. So, guys, try it on your hamstring. Sit down. Bend your leg at 90 degrees. Stick your finger in your hamstring and then try to squeeze it up. It's a lot harder. And what you'll find is that like, why is it that one muscle contracts pretty good and one muscle doesn't? And you know, like we can make arguments that you sit too much or whatever else. Those, those aren't really what this podcast is about. It's just, can you, Yeah. right? I think the other one that we, we need to talk about here and going back to kind of my um, conversation was the joint itself, mm -hmm. right? So it's one thing to have control of the muscle it's another to be able to get to the muscle itself, right? Mm -hmm. So what I like to talk about is going back to that, that butt stuff. And I think butt stuff helps because everybody wants a bigger butt. Like I like a bigger butt. You like a bigger butt. We all want bigger butts. Um, anyone in my life that knows me knows that I strive to go from like zero ass to like a little ass. Oh. I just want my pants not to fall off. Full dunk. Yeah, like when I put my pants on, I don't want them to slide off my back of my butt. I've worked uh, really hard <laughs> to just be able to hold pants up. Um, but here's the thing, right? So you've got a few different glute muscles, which I'm not going to get nerdy with because I got in trouble with. Dang it. You have your lateral glute stuff, so you're outside of your butt, right? And then you have the middle of the butt stuff, right? <clears throat> the middle of the butt stuff is going to finish extension. So that's what gets your hips to go all the way through without getting into your back. And it's important that you understand that idea because we're going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. That lateral glute stuff, that outside glute stuff, 
is what helps you take your leg out to the side, right? And in all kinds of directions, it does a lot of stuff, right? We can go straight leg out to the side, bent knee up and out to the side, all kinds of shit. Uh, that weird machine that women like to use in the gym where they sit down and then mm. the, the pads are between their knees and they go out. Um, uh, one of my coaches affectionately called it good girl, bad girl. Um, <laughs> thought that was pretty ridiculous, but you know, for sake of conversation, oh I think you understand God. what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> um, but the thing is, is if I can't go to, for lack of better word, bad girl, right? <laughs> that abducted open leg position. Um, it could be bad boy too, by the way, um, or bad person in this day and age. Um, but if I can't get my legs out there and the machine forces me out there, yeah. I'm now going to a part of tissue that I never use, mm -hmm. which is a danger zone, right? Because I'm forcing this position. Yeah. The idea is like if, if I were standing up and I just try to drop into the splits, you know, like Michael Jackson style, mm. how would that go for me? Well, personally, it would go real bad, right? Yeah. Like I watched, um, what's his name? He was in the Rocky movies. Oh, John Van Damme? Yeah, well, John claude Van Damme, but the, who's the, the singer? Oh, God, whatever. Um, uh, James Brown. James Brown, like, drop into the splits and then pop back up, right? Um, I can't do that. So if I try to drop into the splits, do you guys think I'm getting up? Probably not. Maybe I'm like also an hour later. An hour later, right? <laughs> when the paramedics come and like pull me out of it. Um, and if I can't get up, I probably tore something while I was down there, right? For sure. So you have to ask yourself, why did I tear something? Like what did I tear, right? Mm -hmm. So when we think about muscles, I think a big problem with the way we look at muscles is we look at our quad as like a thing. Mm -hmm. Like my, well, my quad is one thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, okay, the quad is four muscles, which is why it's quad, called the quad, right? Four, okay. So it's four muscles. Those four muscles all have independent functions, mm -hmm. right? So let's take the primary quad, right? Which is like the middle of your leg. It's the biggest quad muscle. That quad muscle has millions of muscle fibers, mm -hmm. and it's got quite a bit of length to it, right? Yes. So if my, let's call it, we'll say, I don't know, mine's like two feet because I got short legs, but let's say normal people's like thigh length is three feet right we're gonna we're gonna assess that in in three different spans right the first foot the second foot and the third foot guys if you stay with me here right so we're again our quad is three feet long the top of it attaches at our hip the bottom attaches at our knee okay mm -hmm. think about that first third the middle third and the bottom third mm -hmm. okay all of the contractions associated with that muscle are gonna have a primary portion of the muscle where the load goes. Yeah. So if I'm laying flat on my back and I'm lifting my leg up, that's gonna be higher up in the hip. It's still quad, mm -hmm. but it's higher in the quad, right? Yeah. If I'm doing a squat, it might be more middle of the quad and higher quad. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing just a knee extension, right? I'm sitting on that machine where my feet are hanging and then there's a bar on top of it and I push my leg up, that knee extension might just be the bottom of my quad. Mm -hmm. So what if, all I did was knee extensions all the time. You'd have really big third, bottom third of your quad. Bottom third of my quad, right? So what that means is that if I need the rest of my quad to do something, I may not have those fibers helping me. Yeah. The idea here, guys, is what I want you to understand about muscles is muscles are broken down into millions of fibers. Millions. And these millions of fibers all contribute to the party. Yeah. 
if a couple of those fibers don't contribute, we're going to have a problem, right? And it can turn into pain. Some of what I do from a soft tissue perspective is I'm looking for what we call aberrant tissue, which is dysfunctional tissue. So I'm looking and I'm literally taking my finger and I'm putting it across the muscle and I'm looking for contractions. And people are always like, oh, you can feel my knot. No, I don't feel your knot. What I feel is if there's a muscle contracting too early, then that tells me that it's not getting involved when it's supposed to, mm-hmm. right? So it's a timing issue. Timing, yeah. So this is a really complicated idea that I'm trying my best to oversimplify for you guys. But I, what I want you to understand is if I only have accessibility to a portion of my lateral glute, my outside butt stuff, then I'm only going to grow a portion of the muscle, mm-hmm. which may mean that the muscle looks kind of weird, Yeah. right? We've all seen those guys that have really peaky biceps, right? <laughs> Just the middle of their bicep is huge. Oh, yeah. That's not how biceps are supposed to look, folks. Yeah. That means that they're not training the bottom third or the top yeah. third. Yeah. They're only training the middle third, right? Mm-hmm. That's actually a really potentially dangerous muscle. That usually is a, a, a bicep tear yeah. eventually, right? Yeah. So if we're trying to make our body work and do the things we need to do and, and get involved in the party, then we need to create a muscle that works in its full contraction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that, you know, it's funny you bring that up because one of the guys that I work with at the gym that I'm at had always kind of, he went into movement training. Mm-hmm. And he kind of went away from like the whole bodybuilding thing. Mm-hmm. But bodybuilding has very useful exercises like um, like an Arnold press, mm-hmm. right? You go from your palms like facing a, your palms face, facing your face with a dumbbell in your hand. You're sitting on a bench and you're pushing the weight above your head. But as you're pushing up, you rotate, rotate. it through. So essentially, you're getting multiple mu- muscle fibers, multiple joints involved. Um, as but, well as rotation in the shoulder itself, which he, is his primary function, right? Exactly, right. And um, and so he kind of had to take a step back and be like, "Hold up, hold up. Maybe bodybuilding does have a place, certain areas. Yeah. And it's not just about movement. It's like we have to have movement, but also if you're not if you're moving and you're not accessing certain tissue, then you're kind of." doing the same thing and over and over again yeah and you're repeating mistakes right exactly yeah and so kai and i were talking about this earlier before we started the started the, the mic but i have a patient who's a figure skater a very very good figure skater and she has a lot of low back pain mm-hmm. now i don't want to get super nerdy with torque chains we can talk about those later uh they're really hard to, to explain via text message or via Uh, podcast but the simplest version of this is you have muscles that contribute to internal torque Mm -hmm. which is essentially movement derived towards your belly button Mm -hmm. and then you have movements that contribute to external torque which is away from your belly button anything eccentrically driven right so if i'm absorbing load it's going to be internal torque those muscles are better at that and everything external torque wise right so me jumping running creating movement away from me is an external torque. Well, in this case, this young lady that I'm working with was throwing medicine balls, right? And so the act of throwing 
is compounding her problem because she lives in this external torque chain. She lives in these muscles in her back. Mm -hmm. And so we can use bodybuilding to help her build the opposite torque chain to get her out of pain, right? Yeah. So, and I do this with a lot of my patients, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of lacrosse players, a lot of baseball players I work with, they're in, they, they do one thing really well and yeah. they're bad at other stuff. Yeah. I love bodybuilding from a perspective of helping people understand how to fix that stuff, yeah. right? So if I know somebody has a, has a lot of back pain, then let's just train a lot of obliques. Let's train those short heads of the bicep. Let's train those pecs. Let's teach the internal torque chain to do its job, which then should balance out the pulley a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. So this idea of bodybuilding to me, like bodybuilding is really, really valuable because it prevents compensations, mm -hmm. which is kind of the next point, right? So going back to your earlier conversation about that knee pain, mm -hmm. um, and I know you've talked to a lot of other people that have had back pain and, and couldn't grow their glutes. A lot of it's compensation based, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, you take somebody who's untrained or hasn't trained in a long time, sits all the time, and then you have them do all these, you know, butt glute exercises, uh, such as a hip bridge, uh, where you're laying on the floor, your knees are bent, and you're trying to lift your hips up as high as you can. You're essentially supposed to be squeezing your butt. Right. But a lot of times what you'll find is the people that are untrained and, and ha or haven't trained in a while, they feel it in their hamstrings or they feel it in their back. And so if they're feeling it Im immediately in their back, then that kind of tells you that they're using their back right. to lift up rather than using their glutes, which is the thing that's supposed to be used. Right. Um, or sometimes, you know, people tend to feel it in their quads, which is has always been super interesting to me because that's not the quads job <laughs> at all <laughs> at all and so you know you find um you know it was funny like working at 24-hour fitness you saw this a lot like there was just women that did squats after squats after squats and like their whole goal was to get a big butt but all you saw was their quads getting ginormous and you know why do you think that is so it's funny, right? When you like, and so let's let's go back to like trying to be to to help you guys understand this better. A squat is two torque chains, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea with a squat is a squat is multi joint, and it's going to be two things. It's bringing the bar toward my belly button, mm -hmm. and then taking the bar away from my belly button, right? Yeah. So for me to go down in the squat, I have to bring the bar into me, mm -hmm. and for me to go up, I have to bring the bar away from me, right? Yeah. So if you think about squatting, going down, you're loading your quads, yeah. right? So you're eccentrically loading your quads. If you guys don't know what that means, go back, like, I think two podcasts, we explain it. But eccentric is essentially, like, where the heaviest amount of load is. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm using, if, if we're going to use a squat, yeah. then I'm eccentrically loading my quads, but I can't use my hamstrings and glutes to stand up, which is the other torque chain, then I'm also using my quads. Yeah. So, here's the thing, right? And you'll see a lot of people that get to the bottom of their squat, and they either bounce out of it. Or they stop halfway down and then stand up. Yeah. What they're doing is they're trying to shift. They, they aren't shifting tension. They're keeping it in one place. Mm -hmm. So squats shouldn't be a quad exercise. They should be a quad hamstring glute exercise. Yeah. But there's a sequence to it, right? Yeah. I'm going to use my quads first. And then when I get to the bottom and I decide to go up, then my hamstrings and glutes get involved. But here's the problem. I'm just using my quads all the time because I either one – don't have accessibility to my hamstrings or glutes because maybe it's a, a 
function issue, like a joint function issue, or two, it might be neurodrive, right? Yeah. My neurodrive, my ability to change gears isn't high enough to meet the weight demands, yeah. right? So what if I can only contract my hamstrings at a one mm-hmm. instead of a five, yeah. but the weight's heavy? Well, then I'm going to shift back into my quads, right? Yeah. And this is compensation defined, right? You yeah. see a lot of people that squat who have a lot of back pain. You see the same thing when they deadlift, right? Mm-hmm. And the first thing I always do, again, table test, we look at hip extension. Yeah. Can I stand up and bring my hips through without, with keeping my rib cage down, using my obliques or my abs to support me without leaning into my back? Mm-hmm. The answer is a resounding no. From a majority of the people I talk to, right? Yeah. So a lot of times I'll have conversations with people and say, hey, don't stand all the way up. Yeah. Like I'd rather you let's build out a torque chain that works for you, right? Yeah. So I'm okay if you only stand 80% of the way up. We'll continue to build out this rep range and then it'll get better, right? Yeah. But the reality is, is if you work with somebody who doesn't understand physiology at this level, then we have a problem because they're going to let you continue to compensate. Yeah. You should never feel back pain when you squat. Never. Never. The answer is never. It's not a low back exercise. No. You should also never feel back pain when you deadlift. Also not a low back exercise. Also not a low back exercise. <laughs> so the thing that you people have to realize out there is that a squat and a deadlift, the primary limiting factor for people with those is hip extension. Mm-hmm. And you're ready for this? This is going to sound crazy. Oblique and upper back strength. So abs, lower abs, and upper back. The thing is, is if I can't keep my shoulders back to hold position, and I can't keep inner abdominal pressure, then I'm going to give those things away. And then I'm going to find ways to get it done. Our bodies are great at finding solutions to problems. Their their solutions are not always the right answer, right? So this is why I think it's really important for us to have this conversation because the reality here is, is... a large percentage of the people I see, if they heard this podcast and they got with somebody who understood these things at an early point in time, then we, we might have been able to avoid a lot of things, a lot of back pain, a lot of other stuff. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And though I, like, I'm a former powerlifter, right? Like I've squatted over 700 pounds. I've deadlifted over 700 pounds. I've bench pressed over 500. Like I'm a fucking meathead. And I tell people all the time that they don't need to squat and deadlift. All the time. There's better ways to accomplish aesthetic goals yeah. that are far safer, that don't involve you trying to go really super heavy in lifts that you can't do. Yeah. Um, I see it a lot in my gym as well. Now, all that said, what the hell does this matter to anybody out there, right? Like, why do we care? Yeah. So Kai and I's big thing to, for you to ask yourself when you're training is, one, what do you want to accomplish? Yeah. If you want to look better naked, right, there's far easier ways to do it than beating the shit out of yourself in the gym. (laughs) Uh, A conversation that I have with people when they ask me about weight loss, I ask, how many hours of sleep do you sleep a night? And do you check it regularly? And how many steps do you walk a day? Mm -hmm. If you're under 10,000 steps, guys, and you're sleeping less than seven hours a night, preferably eight, but seven, we're probably going to have hormone deficiencies. Mm. We're prob- that means you're probably too sedentary, which means we're going to have – sedentary means sitting. You sit too much, which means you're going to have all kinds of compensation issues. Yeah. You're going to have hip issues, hip rotation issues, shoulder issues, and everything else. And so we already have a huge problem, right? Like we're already going to have an issue. So you don't 
go to the gym and start deadlifting because that's not the solution to your problem. The other thing I want you guys to consider is building out joint capacity. If you have questions about this, look back at our podcast about functional range conditioning. Look, go on YouTube and talk, type in uh, pales, rails, hip, internal rotation. Um, there's a million things out there. Or just DM me. I'm more than happy to answer your questions. But more joint capacity means more freedom of movement, which means more muscle usage. Which to you means more, means fuller, better looking, more static muscles. So if you're one of those women who's like, mm, every time I start doing tricep pushdowns, my triceps get huge. There's a good chance that you're not using your whole tricep, mm. which means that your above your elbow is getting huge, which is why it looks huge because you don't have a balanced look to the tricep, right? Because using the upper portion of the tricep isn't done in a tricep pushdown. Mm-hmm. It's done in a straight arm pull down, right? Which is something people don't understand. If I just do elbow movements for my tricep, then I'm only going to use one part of my tricep, which is going to make my tricep appear much bigger mm-hmm. than it really is, right? Yeah. Bodybuilding is not that complicated, guys. Like it really isn't. <laughs> if I was more jacked, I'd tell you I would just go into bodybuilding because there's a ton of money in it. But um, this isn't that complicated. The other one is creating more neurological drive to tissue, which goes back to the conversation Kai was having with his patient about can you contract the muscle? More control, control the basics, means means better muscle quality. Yes. Better contraction and muscle quality means that we can do more with less, right? So this is the idea that if I do eccentrics, if I do isometrics, if I do these time-based lifts, Mm -hmm. I can create a better quality of muscle, which gives me a better feedback loop, right? Yeah. Um, So that's kind of it, guys. I think joint capacity, neurological drive, and what you want to accomplish are kind of the goals. Uh, We purposely made this podcast a little bit shorter. I think our goal here going forward is to give shorter, more concise, less complicated podcasts because we know this information is hard to digest and then we're going to save our longer podcast for when we have guests on that are really interesting that we just want to listen to talk ourselves um so our goal here guys is to be closer to like 40 minutes yeah maybe even less uh give you simpler concise ideas we we are listening to your feedback guys and i promise you um we're trying to get better at this day by day Yeah, yeah for sure so, Kai, do you have anything you want to throw in, like, to that? Uh, no, I like things short and sweet and to the point. <laughs> cool. I'm into it, too. Yeah. Guys, you can reach me on Instagram at root.solution. I have a cool new logo. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hopefully, like, make it a, a T-shirt, maybe more than one T-shirt. Um, <laughs> like a hat. A hat, like something on there, right? Um, so, you can find me there. I've been getting a lot more DMs lately, which I greatly appreciate. Um, Keep them coming. Any feedback is great feedback. I promise you guys I read all of it. Um, Kai, hit him with the underscores. All the underscores. Uh, At control underscore the underscore basics. No logo, but... Working on it. (laughs) Maybe one day. Um, Guys, thank you for listening. Again, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. And uh, we look forward to talking to you guys in the near future. Take care. Catch you on the flippity flop.